Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rope A Dope Podcast. We have a great episode for you guys today. Current, former light middleweight, former middleweight, and current trainer for amazing boxers, John David Jackson is going to be on the podcast. But first, there's no first, there's no boxing. <laughs> there's no fights. There's literally no fights going on. There's no rumors of fights. There's fights getting canceled. There's fights getting moved back. There's no new fight news. I have nothing to talk about <laughs> in terms of fighting. Um, now let's talk about me. What's new with me? Yeah, I'm working at a grocery store. <laughs> That's fun, I guess. Gives me something to do during the day. Been watching a lot of old fights. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, let me talk about that. Let me talk to you guys about some old fights I watched. I actually rewatched Evander Holyfield, uh, Buster Douglas. The, uh, the fight that Evander Holyfield won to become the heavyweight champion of the world the first time. Man, oh man. Uh, I want to get one of those guys on this podcast one day. <laughs> so I'm going to save what I have to say about that fight for a later date. But, uh, <laughs> oof, that wasn't much of a fight. I think the Steve Wynn, I think he lost out on like millions of dollars because he put everything behind James Douglas winning that fight. So, yeah, that, that was great. <laughs> And then Evander Holyfield, you know, he went on to become a great heavyweight champion and yada, yada, yada. You know what? That's it. I just have nothing to talk about. How are you guys doing? How come you guys never talk about me? How come you guys never email me? That's what I meant to say. Love to hear from you. Uh, what do I got going on today? Gonna go pick up some stuff. Gonna go get my check. Because I don't have direct deposit. Because I don't trust it. You know what? That's what I have going on today. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, that... As you just heard, those are pop-ups because I don't know how to get rid of them on my computer. So I'm just going to leave that pop-up up, that pop-up up, and I'll leave it up. And, uh, yeah, all right. I'm really looking forward to interviewing John David Jackson, man, because he was a trainer for Bernard Hopkins for when he beat Kelly Pavlik. And I was a huge Kelly Pavlik fan. I thought Pavlik was just going to destroy him. I really did. <laughs> and uh, Pavlik, he may have, Hopkins just took him to school for 12 rounds. Like, it wasn't even close. But uh, what are you going to do? All right. We come back. Thank you for listening to this rant for about 2 minutes, 40 seconds. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to have the former light middleweight, former middleweight champion of the world, John David Jackson. John David Action Jackson. Thank you so much. And stay tuned. So how's quarantine down in Miami? Yeah, I'm up in New York, and uh, there's just no going anywhere. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just, yeah, you yeah, just. Yeah, you guys gotta hate the worst, I guess, from Oh yeah, man, it's been awful up here. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. All right, so like we like to start at the beginning of our uh, guest lives. So, uh, where, where are you born? Denver, Colorado. What's that like, man? I've ne I've been through Denver. What's the, what's that town like? What's what's going on there? <laughs> oh, you know, like I say, high high altitude. Uh, not 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 a lot. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's happening in Denver. Denver Broncos. Well, you don't like the Nuggets? They don't count. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. You know, the time back in the seventies when I did like them, that David Thompson, that Dan Essel, but the uh, ABA years. Maybe, yes, sir. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, they transformed to the NBA. So, other than that, not much going on in Denver. 
<laughs> I ask that because, like, apart from you, and it wasn't Mike Alvarado from Denver. There's another. Like, there's not yes, a lot yes, of. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah there's. Mile, yeah. So, what was what was your childhood like? That sounds great, man. Uh, trust me, your childhood sounds much better than some of the guests we've had on. Uh, <laughs> it's, they'll be like, yeah, I was in a gang at three. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> All right. My father took me when I was a kid. I am a gang. I was trying to join a gang, trust me. What did your dad do? My dad did a couple things. He worked in a hospital. You worked at a hospital? siblings like did you have to like fight for attention saw your older siblings like was it did you have like much of a I guess connection with them I didn't grow up with him, so I didn't know him. 
Nations in your family, pretty much. There you go. So at the house, at the table, there was no racism. You couldn't be racist. You couldn't be racist. Man. You, know, you can't. That's what it is. We didn't know what that was because hey, everybody, you know, even though we were, we, we, we were different, we were the same. That's really good. Because we all came from the same, you know, either mother or father. That's a great dad. You know what? That is an awesome dad. <laughs> he didn't discriminate. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> all right. Hey, never. Never. So, you know, we grew up, you know, we never really grew up knowing what. what Racism was. We, we understood it as yeah. we got older. I know I understood it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we didn't have that because in the household, how can you, you couldn't okay. be anywhere in the household. So outside the house, why, why be it different? Exactly. So when did boxing enter your life? You said seven, but how did it enter your life? Uh, well, was, you know, my dad always told me from the time I was two years old, I loved boxing. He said, every time, every time I would see a fight on TV, I would stop whatever I was doing and sit down and watch the fights, man. But when I was seven, I was walking around, um, and everywhere I would see these two, I would see these two boxes on t- on every cover of every magazine, which turned to be Ollie and Frazier, the first mm-hmm. fight. Oh wow! So I, I really just I kept looking at these guys sitting there everywhere. Everywhere I looked at, at that age, I see I saw these two guys, and um, it really fascinated me. So uh, you know, it, 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 it was always in me. But the way I got started in boxing, one day a friend of a uh, friend and I. Um, walking, I live in, of all places, Ogden, Utah, at the time. Wow, Ogden, Utah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've been through Ogden, Utah, when I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we were there, and I went, uh, a friend of mine wanted to play basketball at that particular day, so I said, okay, let's go. So we went to a place called the Marshall White Center. Now, in order to get to the, to the basketball gym, you had to go to the boxing gym. Mm-hmm. So we walk in the boxing gym, he says, hey man, let's try this out. What do I, what do I, I see, that's great, let's do it. So he got in the ring with somebody, and he beat the crap out of this guy. He beat the crap out of this guy. So I said, yeah, let me try it. I got a man, let's forget a kid named Paul. He beat the crap out of me. Yeah, he beat the crap out of me. But I ran home, I was so happy. I ran home from my day like box. I was happy. I ran home, bloody nose, and said, Daddy, I was boxing. So my father walked me back down to the gym. And so she told the coach, my son can box, but he can't get in the ring again and teach him how to fight properly. Right. He said, he can't do, you know, so, and that was it, you know, I loved it. I listened, and it's funny because my friend that did boxing never did it again. Okay. And I got my butt kicked, man, I was all for it. I loved it, so, <laughs> had to be a sick kid in a way because I loved it. So. <laughs> so, you're seven years old, you start boxing. Um, did you, I mean, I want to actually touch back on the Ollie Frazier thing a little bit. Who did you support in that fight, Ollie or Frazier? Uh, do you remember? I 
probably went with Ali because I saw him more talking. Right. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, <clears throat> so you know, at, at the time, I was you know I was I was all about Ali. Yeah. Um, I went to Tower. When I started watching, I went to Tower. So that I was Ali. Ali fan. Okay, so moving on. So you, you're 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 training. You're an amateur boxer. Do you remember your first amateur fight? Uh, yes, it was a um, it was a Utah State Golden Gloves. Um, How'd you do? I did. No, listen. I, um, <laughs> I was here. I won my. I won my. Uh, it was like four fights. I won the first three. From the fourth fight, I got this connect ball. That same thing should be me. First time box. I. The crap out of <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great, you know. It was, uh, it was uh, the Utah State going up there. It was uh, an eye opener for me. You know, I've been in, uh, in, uh, I can wait to fight this kid to get sparring this kid. Well, uh, there was a fight this time. I can wait to get in the with this guy again because you know, I had to show him that I was better than what he thought I was. So <laughs> it was good. It was good times. Do you know what happened to Paul? Like, are you just like, is Paul calling out a rematch at all? Like, <laughs> no, that was, you know, that was. Uh, Okay. So, at what age did you start to get that confidence? So like, well, I'm really good at this. Was it just immediate? It must not have been immediate, but like, was it after that yeah. tournament? Yeah, that wasn't, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was gradual. Okay. As I progressed, I began to get better with it. Honestly, um, I was always cocky with it, but I don't think I really really believe that I could do something since I was about like 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any other, um, goals in mind? Like any other professions that you wanted to do? Or is it just all boxing all the time? Yeah, you know, it was, um, my, my main thing, you know, as a kid, I was going to be an, uh, architectural engineer. Okay. Don't ask me why. I, uh-huh. I was, that was always something I wanted to do, but, uh, um, uh, <laughs> once I got to high school, and I got into that class, but I just see had this. It's gonna take too long, and I'm too boring. And, you know, it became too like like boring after a while. So, and I, and I once you know once I got a taste of boxing, that was my love. I loved boxing. There was nothing that I I had to break up with girlfriends because of, of boxing. You broke up with girlfriends because yeah, I, had they... I had a choice. I had a choice. Continue to fight and and, and do what I love or go on a date with them. One girl, okay. you know, it, it was a big. It was a big um, 4th of July party going on, and everybody with the girlfriend, boyfriend. She said, you know, come on. I said, no, I'm training today. Mm-hmm. We woke up. I said, listen, I love, I said, you know, boxing is going to do for me. Even back then, I knew. I said, boxing is going to do for me what you've been able to do. Wow. That reminds me of the, this is going to, can I tell you something? That reminds me of the L Cool J song where he's like, I'm breaking up with you. I know I said I'd be true, but uh, I saw someone else, so I uh, got to go. And uh, <laughs> just reminds me, that was so great, man. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. You know, it, it, did, it did that for me. So, you know, I mean, I realized it because as an amateur, yeah. I went all over the world. The place I couldn't afford it, but my father couldn't afford it. Sydney. Where did you go? Uh, I, over there. I, went, I, went, I went back to Russia. I still, well, they're still communist. Mm-hmm. I went back to Poland, wow. East Germany, um, Czechoslovakia. I went, all, you know, I, went, I, went, I went all over Eastern Europe when it was still, uh, still communist. Right. So, communism. So, uh, I, I went to places that people have never. Probably would have never been able to go in their lives. And, you know, uh, I went to Cuba in 81. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went all over. So it took me, it took me everywhere. It took me to China, um, you know, places that just, you know, most people don't have to, uh, I'm blessed to go to. What did, going to all those places, and I want to especially harp on Cuba, 
because their because their boxing program is known to be quite intense. Did did the, did um what did what did they teach you over there going all those places or Cuban? Well, Cuba was, was funny. It was different because you know you know when you first get there, you know well, first of all they're kind of oppressed because they're, yeah. they're not they're communists and, and, and they don't get you know, freedom to have money the way they want to spend it. So when we get there, um, you know we were sneaking out. And I, you know, are you crazy? Yeah, we're sneaking, we're sneaking out. You know, we're young, we're young. young. And you want to see? So, but then the day we would, uh, we would, uh, we would go out, and the Cuban people—they were were nice, but you—they—they they they want you to come up with a box. They say we box, and you would say a name, and they say, "Oh my!" And and their own language, "Oh my God, he's gonna beat you to half to death." They didn't make sense that there are these boxes with gods over there. Mm -hmm. We said, "Man, you must be crazy." So. you know, Cuba was just different. You know, we, we, we would give, like, our genes away and stuff like that. Because, you know, some, some people said, you know, I mean, not only said, but they, we could see it. They didn't have much. And, you know, we give them a couple of things that we had. Uh, and, you know, it, it, was, it was different. It was, just, it was, it was wow, you know, could, for them, I had that place on lockdown. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't do much. Uh, money was scarce, food was scarce. And, you know, we we share a little bit, with, you know, that what we down there. It was, a, it was a beautiful place, though. I mean, you know, because even in January, it was warm. Yeah. You know, warm, <laughs> you know, beaches and stuff. So it, it was different. You know, people were nice, and, uh, but they, they treated their, their boxes like, like, man, like the gods over there. So you have one of the most impressive amateur records I've seen. We've had some impressive amateurs on this uh, podcast. 206 and 9. Yes. Uh, one thing I want to question, ask you about, uh, this was in the early 80s. Does it disappoint you that you never got to be on the Olympic team or that you never had the opportunity because of the boycott in 1980? Well, actually, I, I was 84. 84. Yeah, I, I went, but I went to, it's funny, I went to the 80 Olympic trials. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, was, I was selected. Um, I, got, I, got, I got a note one day that says, you've been selected to the 80 trials. I, you know, I, honestly, 80, I wasn't, I didn't really try. Mm-hmm. I didn't try because I knew we weren't going. So to me, it was like, what the sense of going? So I, I went for the hell of it. I was 16, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew, because I, I knew, had there really been uh, a year that we went to the Olympics, being 16 years old, I wasn't going to go, I didn't qualify, you had to be 17 at least. Right. So, I got, being, being as good as I was, they allowed me to go anyway. And I didn't, I, 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 told you, I didn't take it as serious as I should have. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I, fought, I fought Gene Hanshaw, he came on to become a uh, WBA junior world trade champion. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be the crap out. I lost a three-two split decision. So, you know that, that you know. But I, I blame myself because I said if I would have put up more into it, I would have been the way I thought I should have. But uh, I, I just in the eighty, my heart just wasn't in it. Right. Really. Because I, I, to me, we weren't going. Yeah, we didn't go. So you were right. Yeah. <laughs> but eighty-four was that? Was that like a big year where we were just like, oh, maybe you know, I should stay amateur for a little bit? Eighty-four. I mean, I would say what happened. I, I started before the Olympics. Yeah. Now, at least three. I lost my last amateur fight to Frank Pete. I lost now. It's funny because the first person, and it's Frank's respect, you know, and, and I had you know, but in relation to Frank, you know, I had so much trouble with, I was bad, and I was a bad person. When I said bad, not, not bad and in, 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 in being a criminal, but I fought for everything for the, for, for the fighters because in 80, think about it, in 84, we had $5 a day per diem. Jesus, how do you live off that? Five, so you know, when you speak up against the system, it makes you a bad person. And yeah. I just woke up because I said, "No, I said, listen, 
we're getting nothing, but we're getting these, these sweatsuits. And I said, that, that, that's crap. I said, we need some money. I said, I can't get sweatsuits. I can sell them all day long. Mm-hmm. But I said, I, I said, I need some, you know, we need some money. And, you know, I look, I look at the guys now, and I look at, like, I thought I trained Shane Mosley. He and I were talking. He said, they would give him sometimes $4,000 per month. I said, we got $4,000 a month. I said, we got $5 a day. <laughs> I said, I said you know, I'm going to fuck you guys to get the money you got. I said, we didn't get that. Right. That person in the eyes of, 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 of the ABA boxing mm-hmm. associate at the time because I was, you know, I was always fighting for somebody for something for, for, for us fighters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that was the reason why I lost, but here's what's interesting as soon as the fight ended with me and Frank, Shelly Finkel was the first person that came over to me said, John, what happened? I thought you won that fight. I said, I, I, thought, I thought I won too, Shelly. I said, guess what? But these, I said, three officials said I didn't win. He said, whatever you do, don't quit. And I appreciate it, but I, I, I said, you know what? I'm through with the amateur boxing because it's, it's crap. They already, they already have their favorites kind of already selected they won. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a part of that. So I, you know, I turned pro on March, March, March 11th of 84. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, and they, they sent me a, a letter and which, which told me that I didn't have to participate in any trial. I was already selected to be on one of the eight slots for the, you know, for the, uh, for the Olympic trials. Wow, that would be an I impressive think. team to be on, too. Yeah, I, you know, in hindsight, I should have stayed at least went to the trials. Mm-hmm. I got a better deal as a pro. But, I, you know, I was just so hot-headed and said, I wanted to do my way. Mm-hmm. I said, hell with it. I'm not going to wait around. Because if, if who would say that I wouldn't go through it again and, and, and still not make the team? That's true. Now, yeah. not, saying, listen, not saying I was doing the main team, because I wasn't, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I only go to the same, maybe eight months later, still going to this crap, and I mean, I miss the team. Mm-hmm. You know, because a couple guys got better decisions on there at the trials than before. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still the best team, right? Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They did well. But there's a couple guys who, you know, and, and think about this. A lot of us didn't make the team, became, became better fighters than the guys that didn't make the team. Who are some I of the guys mean, that didn't make the team? Mike, 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 Mike didn't make the team. Yeah. Guess, guess what? Yeah. He became the biggest star. Come <laughs> on. Yeah. No. That's a good point. Uh, uh, Michael Nunn. Michael Nunn. He became, he, he, he became, he became champ. So, so a lot of guys that didn't make the team. Mm-hmm. They were still better fighters, you know, but you know, hey, listen, you, you can't cry about spilling milk and you have to move on. So yeah. hey, I'm, I was happy for those guys, but it, it was just mad. I was just mad because the way the system worked. God damn and it. And oh, there's another thing we'll put on the show. Okay. So, in 80, so, so it's late 83. Mm-hmm. And I go to Pat Nappy's office. I go to I go to his room. And I'm talking to him. And I said, Pat, listen, uh, I'm, I'm gonna drop down to 47. I'm 47. He said, Don't do that. I said, What? Well, you think you think you think Mark's gonna knock me out? We, we're gonna spar with us. You think Mark's gonna knock me out? He said, No. They said, That's not it. He says, Listen. He said, Mark's over there shooting to make the team. He said, I don't care if he gets knocked out ten times. He's going to the Olympics. He says, If you go to 47, it's a waste. He says, Stay at 54. You see, your chances are way greater if you make making the team. He said, 47? Marshall got that slot. He's yeah. not going to lose that. I said, and right there, I said, right there, I knew that. Mark, Mark, Mark was my friend, so you know, I'm not saying that it gets him. Right there, let, let me know. They're already picking who they want to go to the Olympics. Right. When you tell me that, that, you know, if he gets knocked out 10 times, he's still going. There's no way. You know, he can lose. I, and listen, he earned his spot. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody did he's supposed to do. But if someone had beaten him, <clears throat> They, they may not have gotten a spot. He may have got a, if it went the distance, he might have got a decision. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, I'm just saying, they already had, they already had, and they still do it today. They already had their pre-selection, but they made who they want on the team. 
I had more almost as much recognition as a pro because in like high school everybody saw my TV mm-hmm. so I knew who I was and mm-hmm. I go to other schools in my, in my, you know, I was in Seattle Seattle area so you got almost as much recognition as an amateur as you did as a pro because if you, back then you were seeing so much people knew who you were automatically mm-hmm. and now unfortunately here's the problem with today is you don't have that same backing you don't have TV TV televising these fights by, you know, buying the rights to these fights mm-hmm. and showing them all over the world and people can see these kids and, 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 and it, it would allow more kids to be hungry to want to be amateur boxers. I don't, and I just say this, I don't, I'm not an advocate of pro by, by boxing anymore because, especially when you're young, mm-hmm. I think you need to wait a while right. and let your brain really develop before you really get into it because you know, when you're six years old. And I see these kids boxing, I say, man, you know, your brain not develop. And then you, when, you, when you look at a lot of fighters today, they can't walk and they can't talk properly because mm-hmm. they took too, too much punishment. Right. And, uh, and, and, but, but back then, it was great, and, and, and it was great for us. Amherst, we loved it because we went all over the world. And it was, um, like you said, you, you wanted to be a boxer, man, because, you, you know, you're not, not, not only fame, but, you know, how many kids in this nation can go travel to different countries? You know, your, your parents can't afford to send you there, man. So mm-hmm. it allowed us back in that, that era to go all over the place, you know, you know, for free. All we had to do was box. You know, we were propaganda for for the government. <laughs> you know, we, we did we did our thing. We went all we went all over the place. You know, yeah. um, and, and even now, I don't see that they still do it, but they not not at the high level that we do that. You know, okay. with, with the frequency of going here, going there. I mean, every month we went someplace, or somebody came to America to to, to challenge us. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even hear that in, in today's world of amateur boxing. I, it's, it's just so far and few between. It's just it's not like it once like it once was. And, and, and let me say this: and it's not a bad thing, but it's probably gonna sound bad. Even with the amateur program we have today, why? And I ask all I ask all, all the fighters that I see that are amateur that make the USA team, and some of the coaches, why is it that we have a gentleman from from, from Ireland, the head coach of the USA boxing team? There, there's no qualified American amateur coaches to be the, be the head coach. There's plenty, I think. <laughs> they brought a guy from here, from Ireland. He'd be your coach, ain't got okay. If, if, if he's qualified and he can do this thing, that's great. You got the job, you got it. But how come nobody from America was qualified for that same position? And they're already here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's sad to and, and, and tell you how boxing Troy is here and now. It's, it's, it's not what it once was. Yeah. No, that's true. So let's let's get back to you. Uh, why did you decide to move to Philadelphia when you turned pro? Well, you know, my amateur teammates, uh, Magic Taylor, Rocky Lockridge, Rocky Lockridge, Johnny Bonfils, and Thomas House, who all come from West Side Washington, they went to Philadelphia and they got with Georgie Ben. Oh my thinking, God! You know what? That's you know, I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. All mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, once I once I finished my amateur my amateur career, my father was my my entry. Okay. And you know, he and I talked about it, and I said, I got to leave. I said, Daddy, I got to leave because. I need now to make myself a better fighter from a professional pro. And it was nothing. I said, nothing against you. I said, I, I got to move on. You got to learn. You got to learn from, like, Georgie Benton. <laughs> he, was, he was hot, you know, but apart from about a day He said, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't teach me. And, 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 and there's no trainers in, in Seattle, to me, that were qualified, you know. So I figured, hey, if Rocky, Johnny, and I went there and they're doing great, I can't lose. Yeah. So what did Georgie Benton teach you? I mean, it's funny. So I meet Georgie, we, we, we meet January of 84. Okay. First day, first day we meet. 
I'm in the gym. He says, son, I want you to spar for me. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that, you know. He says, you know, nine rounds. I said, okay. Then we nine rounds box like that. So with three different opponents, three different spar partners. So I did it. You know, I, I, I was in shape. I started to stay in shape. So I did it. And after the ninth round, he, I get out. And he says, son, you can fight. He says, you don't need me to teach you how to fight. He says, you need me to teach you how to become a better fighter. Okay. He said, you know how you know to fight. He says, but I'm going to make you a better all-around pro. And wow. I said, yeah, yeah. So I said, that's why I'm here. You know, me and Georgie, I'm like, man, we hit off for like, man, Georgie was a great guy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had so many guests on this podcast who have just, you know, spoken just the highest accolades about George Ben, Georgie Ben. Um, so, do you remember, so your first fight, March 11th, 1984, do you remember who you fought? Kim Brady Carricker. That's right, yeah, how'd that go, man? Well, uh, it was great for me, look, yeah. the crazy thing was, so on the back of the restaurant before the fight, instead of being in my gloves, mm-hmm. these small, small eight-ounce gloves, they asked, hey, man, as you brought in the wrong gloves. They said, no. This is what your opponent's fighting. He said, yes, he wanted to be this small? I said, I said, give me those back. So I said, no, okay. Man, uh, it, it was, you know, for me, that was a happy time because I, I couldn't wait to turn pro. I said, right. you know, and once I turned pro, one day I told myself, I said, you know, um, this is my job now. So from right. this day forward, whatever it is, amateur, I, you know, I cut that one further, but some days I, I kind of, I said, now this is my job. So from this day forward, this is strictly business for me. There's no time to play, uh, no excuses. And, you know, and, and then, you know, Marvin Henry once had a saying that I always follow in boxing. He said, he said, you either love the sport, you either love the sport like a boy, but you gotta play it like a man. And I always, I always, and I always believe that. From from time I read that, that he said, that quote that he said, that's how I follow boxing. That's a great quote, uh, man. So, you know, I, <laughs> So, wait, you said this was a full-time job for you. Did you have any other jobs to support yourself along the way, or was it just yeah, a box? Oh, yeah. What, yeah, oh, what, yeah. what job did you have uh, while in Philadelphia? <laughs> so the uh, first job I had was a, uh, I was just a security guard at a, um, uh, the Philadelphia College of Arts. Um, it's not a bad job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I wasn't the best security guard. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I tried to office. I thought I was I'm bad. <laughs> Wait, what was where is it at? I'm sorry. In, in, Nor- in Norristown. And what was it? Where were you? It, it, it was a produce, it was a produce terminal. Just food, food and vegetables, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we had some some days we had to work like sixteen hour days, oh. especially like around the Fourth of July. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it was, uh, that was that was different. But you know, I, I worked that in, uh, you know, I worked that day. Mm-hmm. You got to support yourself. All right. So you're coming up. You're working a job. What fight? Boy, did you win where you're like, oh, this put me on the map before you won the title? Oh, uh, maybe more. 80 more? I did, I did, I did more. That's a great point. I want to say more. Memory served me for July 24th, 1987. Yeah, close. July 21st. <laughs> oh, well, okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had July, right? Yeah, yeah, you got July. <laughs> so Davey Moore was the one, was the fight where like, oh, this guy is great. <laughs> or this guy is, has some talent. 
Yeah, you know, I yeah, listen. You know, Davey. It's, you know, before the fight, Davey gave me no respect. He's, he's kind of trash. He's gonna do to me. Gonna beat me up. And I, I said, okay, we'll see. I said, we'll see. Yeah, I said, you know, you haven't heard of me because you know, hey, maybe uh, I try not to improve the run. It's been the same damage long. I said, we'll see. I said, I got something for you. You keep talking. I said, I said, I listen. Here's the difference between you and I. I've seen you fight. You probably haven't seen me fight. I know what you can do and what you can't do. I said, you know what I can do. That's you gonna tonight, though. You know, and he said, okay, he, he was talking to you know, he, he was trying to get some ahead because I was going to be down You know, just bullying me. I said, I got something for you. But that fight, going in, before that fight, I knew I was going to be champion. But that fight solidified it for me. You know, That's great. Hey, I belong in the top ten with all these guys. Wow. <laughs> so, David, you beat Davey Moore, former world I mean, he was, he, back in the day, like, he was the man. Like, he, you know, he was a light middleweight champion of the world. Um, that's that's incredible, man. So... They, they just rushed him. You know, he's a guy... Yeah, that's true. The product, the product went better. They just rushed him. You know, yeah. They could they, they, they punch him in. He had decent boxing skills. He would just rush him through it. And he, I mean, you can't blame him. He's young. Mm-hmm. And he's young and strong. And he gets a title shot. Who's going to turn that down? Mm-hmm. You know, he gets a chance to learn his craft. But, hey... Yeah, I mean, he did better than most, so you can't, you can't knock him. I just, I just think he done better. And he's just, you know, not, not rushed. All right, I've been rushed. So after the Davy Moore fight, you have one more fight, and then you fight for the title at 154. Let me ask you something about that Lupe Aquino fight. Uh, back in the day, the WBO wasn't considered uh, one of the top organizations that it is now. They were they were yeah, you're right. They were like they were just kinda like a nothing or did you go into that fight thinking it was a title fight or were you just like, alright, this is just a whatever? Okay. Did I know did I know the shortcomings of it or how it? But I guess I did because mm-hmm. uh you know, Tommy Hearns won the first one. He won the uh, WBO 168 pound title. Uh, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and then, you know, Michael Moore won the 175 pound title. And, uh, you know, they, they tied hell for it. You know, uh, the, 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 uh, the major networks really didn't want to show this, the WBO fight. They, they, they really acknowledged the WBO champion. <laughs> so I knew going in that it was, it, I was going to catch more hell than uh, what I should have. But, Here's my thing. Like I said, I was, I was a bad, I was a bad guy. So I was always against the system. So I knew going in, I gotta fight. I gotta now. I gotta keep this bad boy mixed, you know, and, and make sure that I defend it because they're gonna look at me like they use that. Here's the thing. Here's the sad thing about that. A lot of fighters, not fighters, but the managers or the promoters use the WBO against me. They said you're not a legitimate champion, so why should we fight you? Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. I knew going in that I wasn't gonna get kind of recognition that I thought I deserved for being a champion. Mm-hmm. But I knew as long as I kept that time I held it, I would have a chance. I, 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 I maybe had a chance one day to rectify that and, and, and you know, become uh, more famous with the belt. You know, I've got to ask you something. Like, I'm looking at your, uh, at who you fought when you were the WBO light middleweight champion. You fought a lot of guys in their own backyard. Why is that? Was it just money? Just more money? I, I, you know, I, I wasn't afraid. To, you know, here's how I thought about that, G. I was, I was I was world champion. So if you if you if, if you want me to fight in your backyard, I'm going. Yeah. Because you're not you're not, you're not gonna come. Through the, and there were two things that went on with that also. If I'm saying that number one was you weren't coming to my backyard because there's no money in it. 
And let me try. So I had to go to your backyard because there was money. If I find you were in the States, I'm going to get peanuts. Right. But at least if I find you in your backyard, I get paid to come to your backyard to cite you. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of the circumstances of the situation or the judges, I had to prove that I, was, I wasn't afraid to go anywhere by anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the guys that I wanted to fight, I couldn't fight. So let me fight the guys that at least I had in front of me. Yeah. So I got to make a living also. Mm-hmm. A lot of big names... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to a little bit later on in the story, but a lot of, a lot of people wouldn't have fight me. So, like, who wouldn't fight you? Well, this is his story. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Jane. I went, I went to Don King's office one day. I'm getting James. Okay. She says, so, so she, you know, I go in there and I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I'm talking crazy. She says, she says, slow down for me. She said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a couple phone calls. So she said, all I want you to be quiet. I'm going to put these people on speakerphone. She said, I want you to see what happens. That's okay. So this, 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 okay, I'm not lying about this. So she calls Nigel Ben's people. Nigel Ben. She says, she says, I want you to, I'm offering you a fight with John David Jackson. No. <laughs> Chris, now, now I'm still middleweight. I'm not, I'm not even super middleweight yet. Yeah. She calls Chris Eubanks some people. So I got a fight for you with John David Jackson. Turn it down. Jesus. She, she went down the middleweight. At the time, Quincy Banks, I mean, Quincy Taylor was champion. They just beat um, Julian Jackson. So she calls Quincy Taylor's people. She said, I got a fight for you. Uh, uh, it's not mandatory, but it's John David Jackson. No. She calls six, I got I, I, I now, she calls six world champions. Wow. All six, now all six of the people turn me down. And she, so she hung up and said, John, I'll try to get you fight. She said, people will not fight you. <laughs> she said, I want to fight you. And, 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 and I said, I, I knew, I, you know, she, she proved to me, but I knew that beforehand because one time I was trying to get a non-title fight, in um down in um not not Laguna Beach, California, but right before that. Anyway, another place right before that. Mm-hmm. Another city right before that. Anyway, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Tom, uh, Tom Brown. Okay. Is Tom Brown. Him at the time he was with um Goose and the promotion. He they put a fight that put a show on, and I was I was I was the main main headliner. It was an untitled fight. He said, John, I'm trying to get you a fight. He says, 35 guys have turned you down. For a non-title fight, this is, this is, she said, 35 people have turned you down. They will, they will not fight you. He said, for a non-title fight. Wow. He says, you know, he said, there's not enough money in it for a title fight for you. He said, I'm going to waste your time with that. Mm-hmm. He said, the 35 guys have turned you down. He said, you know how hard it is to get you a fight? He said, nobody's willing to fight you. Why Why do you think nobody was willing to fight you? Why, well, it's too good? You know what? <laughs> this is what I tell people. Well, you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> also, can it, also was it just marketability? Were they just like, who is no, this guy? In some cases, I was too good for my own good because it's not the fighters that would. It's not the fighters that would fight. We'll fight. We'll fight anybody. You know, think about this. A lot of champions. You had Julian Jackson, the BA to the BA. You had Terry Norris, the BC. Yeah, uh, Jim Franco Rossi, the idea. And then that, that, when I was switched, you started Darren Van Horn, idea. You know, you have all these different guys that were champions. They would fight, they would have fought me. But see, their promoters or their managers, they stopped the fight. Okay. Either I wasn't mostly um, contracted to you, or your man, you know, a manager will say the fighters could beat. Mm-hmm. So that was the, it, it wasn't the fighters. You know, Terry Norris would have fought me in a heartbeat. Right. You know, they're very, all you know, they all, we would have fought each other in a heartbeat. It didn't matter who it was. But 
but, but, but it was the manager at the moment that would stop that. And, okay. and, and yes, I was to go somewhere because, you know, and I wouldn't sign with, you know, I wouldn't sign with these guys. I wouldn't, and I didn't sign with Donnie King until I had to sign with Right. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I didn't trust him. And now, you know, and, and, and it hurt me. Did it hurt my marketability? Market yes, it did. Mm-hmm. It hurt my, 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 my chance of making money? Yes, it did. But, you know, I feel this. I'm going to do it my way. And I may not become rich over there. I, I, I never really made any money for boxes, you know, in my whole career. And people are looking at me like I'm crazy. I only made a half million dollars total Jesus. for 40 fights. You had so many title defenses. You had so many title fights and only a half a million. Only a half million dollars. Okay. I didn't make, make that much, you know, the more, you know, I hate to say it, the most I ever made as, as WBO champion mm-hmm. was $60,000. And who was that against? Let me get it for you. I found it over here anyway. Machinado. Okay. I'm going to share Machinado. Machinado. Okay. Yeah, so I, I made $60,000. That was my highest, highest champion in WBO. Right. Because like, you see, like, it's like we go back to earlier. But first of all, the belt wasn't recognized by anybody. No, it wasn't. So there, there, there was no market. There was no market value. Then my name wasn't big enough. At least Tommy got paid with his. I don't try getting paid with his. Right. So, you know, and then once guys like De La Hoya started, you know, in chairman of the bill, it wasn't so much the belt. It was De La Hoya. Right. He made it more, more popular than the belt made him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he brought value to the table for that belt. But that was all after my time, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> So, we've talked to many fighters on this show uh, who have fought 154, 160, who have told just just awful stories about them having to make weight. Was that ever a problem with you at 154? No. no, listen, like I told you, that was my job. That was your job. My job okay. was to keep my weight down, so I always try to keep it within 10 pounds, so That's, the highest yeah. I ever got was 164. Okay. And, then, wow. and I, I really did that. I try to keep back to one sixty one. And people say, "Well, where did you start?" No, I just ate simply. <laughs> and then when it, when it came time to, to make weight for for the fight, I would eat. All I had, I, I read up on it. Uh, one time, I got a David Brax from the When he fought Michael McCallum, he had a chicken and a watermelon diet. Now that's crazy to say, it's for black people. <laughs> 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 but listen, baked chicken and watermelon. Guess what? It worked. I mean, it was so easy. And then what I did, I, I would change it up. I would, I would eat something different. But I, I always just monitor what I ate and made sure that I kept it within that limit. Mm-hmm. And if I got to 164 and I'd go outside, I'd do everything. I didn't want to get past that 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I came time to make weight, I had no problem. And I was always usually, um, you know, one time I managed to believe it because I, you know, when I, when I started when I boxed for Kronk, all the guys in the gym, like, they for weighing just killing themselves making weight I walk in and I'm just showing around talking to everybody he said John you gonna be on transit for what he said make weight I said man I made weight yesterday I said I'm just walking around killing time I came in I came at 152 the next day he said man you don't know I said no I said I said ask him this is my job I thought I'm gonna kill myself for last now if I wait till last week to make all this weight I'm killing myself even though in today's world a lot of these guys, like, like uh, I, I, I had a fighter, uh, Chris Algier. Chris, he makes weight the night of the, the win. That's the crazy. The night for the win, they, they, they would drop 10 or 15 pounds. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Because, see, now I'm depleting myself of my energy. Even though it sounds good the way you got to do it, mm-hmm. you're still robbing yourself. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned Chris Algier. You're thinking, like, the fighter who's, like, a health freak. Not a health freak, but, like, he's a nutritionist. So, like, you think, he's like... He's a nutritionist, and, yeah. and, and he does all that stuff, but even... Even though he does that, and it, it works for him still. He yeah. still robs, I don't care what you say, he still robs. I mean, right. he is, I, I tell him, do that, make your money, 
That's a great product. Sell it. Sell it. But mm-hmm. I said, well, when it comes when it comes fight time, I said, if the, especially if the guy's better than you are, he's gonna find a way to break you down because mm-hmm. all that weight you lost the night before, that's gonna tell you the next day. You may not feel it in round one, but the goes around twelve, you're gonna feel that by mm-hmm. by the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Especially if it's a hot fight and you find a good fighter. Okay. You know, if you got a bomb, you got a chance. But mm-hmm. you find a guy that can really fight. Yeah. Man, he, 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 he going to catch you. Yeah. So, so you decide to move up from 154 to middleweight. Uh, you've been nothing but in interviews that I've read about you. You've been nothing but complimentary about Reggie Johnson. Uh, what what was it that made Reggie Johnson so good? To me, um, here, 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 see, here's my thing that just me following boxing. I've always seen. I mean, Reggie was a puncher. I mean, guys came up wrong. I said, I'm going to knock this guy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stop him. Uh, I'll play him easily. But, see, Reggie was me. He was a boxer. Right. He, he was very intelligent. You're a boxer's guy, which is okay with me, but I never had to really do that way. I knew I was going to do it with him that night. Mm-hmm. Reggie was no chump. He, you know, unless, uh, we, we talked about the trash before the fight, but I knew in my heart, Reggie was good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I respect, I, you know, I, punches, I, I respect them, but I'm not crazy about punches. But by, true boxers, I love them. Because, see, you gotta use your, you gotta use your brain. Mm-hmm. Andre Ward, I talk crazy about it, about Kovalev, but I knew going in that fight, he was the most dangerous fighter that, that, that Kovalev ever fought in his life. Why? Because he used his brain. Yeah. Not his, not his muscle. Yeah. He was gonna break you down mentally and wear you out the way mm-hmm. you know he's supposed to. Right. And, see, that's, that's the kind of fighter that's dangerous. So I knew going into the fight with Reggie, He's the first fighter. He's the first fighter professionally that made me question myself: Am I as good as I really think I am? Because I knew he was good. I'm not saying he was the greatest, but I knew he was good. And to be able to beat him, I had to be on top of my game better than he was on top of his game. Yeah, and you were that night. Yeah, and I gave, but you know, I I gave him credit where he deserved. But it's funny because about four o'clock in the morning. I finally said, "Man, to hell with him. I'm I'm beating this guy." And I finally went to bed about four in the morning. (laughs) I thought I worried about it for the first. For the first four hours that I was laying in bed, thinking about what, what kind of beats got. Finally, I said, you know what? I got this guy. I'm going to beat him. I give him the highest credit that one can get because he can box. Right. Right. Let me talk to you about the WBA, the organization, because right after you won the middleweight title, you took a couple of unsanctioned fights. Uh, do you regret doing that now? Or are you, would you have done that? Would you have done the same thing? Um, well, listen. I thought I'm a bad guy. I probably do what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm going to the ground system. But no, here's the thing. You, you know, in the rule book that I have on the WBO, I mean, WBA that I read, it never said I couldn't take a title. It never said I couldn't take a non-title fight. Right. But they come about as books. Oh, no. This book, in a new book, it says you can't, you, you can't take a non-title fight. But let, let, but let me take you back to, to how I, this all starts. So I get I, I, I get there one day, I meet like a guy, I'm in LA training for my, my last uh, junior middleweight title fight mm-hmm. over in Italy. And I meet a guy and he says, Hey man, you ever thought about fighting for the for the middleweight title? I said, uh, not really, because I want I wanted to make if I could like twenty defenses of my of my of my junior middleweight title, but that wasn't gonna happen. So I said, Yeah, I said, I said listen, let's, let me let me entertain it. I said, What what we got mine? He said, Well you thought about fighting Ray Johnson. I said, Nah, I never thought about it, but I'd love to. He's a good fighter. I want to prove myself. So, about a week later, he he, he meets me in a hotel in L.A. And, and, he, and, he, and he says, I can make this happen for you. He says, all you got to do is sign these two contracts. And he said, what? Ah, so, so I looked at him. So the first contract is a contract to fight 
Brady Johnson. Okay. The second contract is a contract to find Jorge, to fight Jorge Castro. I said, so, I said, so, so you mean, in order for me to fight Reggie, I got to, I got to, I got to sign this contract with this guy too. He said, yeah. He said, you got a problem with that? I said, yeah, I think I got a problem with it. I said, first of all, this guy's not in my league. I said, but number two, I said, you know, I said, now, now, now you tell me what I got to do in order to get this title fight. I got, I got, I got to sign a guaranteed fight this guy right here. And he said, I said, I tell you, I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sign the first one. I want to, I want to fight Reggie. I said, I, I rolled the second contract. I said, I'm, I'm going to take this contract and I put my back pocket. I said, hold on this one for a while, for a while and I'll get back to you on it. So I signed the first time, first contract and gave it to him. And he was, he, he, you know, he was just a messenger guy. He took it back. So the fight now, the fight is me. Mm-hmm. I signed a contract. Right. Now, so I go over there, be Reggie. <laughs> get paid in cash and I come back to America. So You're coming now, back from Argentina? How much cash are you carrying back from Argentina? Jesus Christ. So, you know, so I go, so we get back now. I didn't sign the first contract, so there's no pressure on me about fighting Jorge Castro. But they call me, oh, man, you got to fight Jorge. I said, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You signed the contract. I said, no, I never signed the contract. I said, I got the contract right now in my possession. The guy got quiet. Here, here's, here's the crazy thing about this. I'm, I'm going to keep that in the story, but see, um, um, Luis Espada, who was Castro's uh, manager, also tried to, become, he's tried to become my manager. I said, no, no, I don't need you for that. So, because, um, who was it? I'm trying to think who was who's who to be a uh, who's to be a president right now, you know? I have no idea, but <laughs> I don't trust well, him. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, his father his father was, was the president when I was champion. Okay. I won, I won the title. So one day he walks up to me and says, John, so I want to tell you my dad, you know, my dad passed away. He said, My dad really respects you. He said, I took my title. He said, no. he said, listen. He said, he said, listen. One thing they love about you is you never mention the names of all the people that did do what they did. Gilberto Mendoza. There you go, Mendoza. Yeah. yeah. Mendoza. He said, he said, my dad always spoke highly of you. Never ratted anybody out. Even mm-hmm. though I'd be being in court five times Saturday. Wow. Get my title back. So anyway, so, so I thought I'd be Castro. I thought I'd be Reggie. I said, you know, now all these guys, these WBA representatives from L.A., I'm like, hey man, you know what you're gonna do? I'm not gonna do anything. But I didn't sign the contract. Right. So, you know, I'm champ. So, you know, so that happened in the back burner. So, I, so uh, come January, <clears throat> now I gotta decide, you know, uh, what I'm gonna do. So I said, uh, we're, we're, we're going back and forth and back and forth. Those, uh, all these guys from Castro's uh, camp, what we're gonna do. So finally I said, man, I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna give me, I'm, I'm gonna take me, I'm gonna give me a non title. Fight tune up, and that was my favorite when I decided to do that. And I signed with some main events. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Duval, um, Dan was still alive, and I signed with him. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so they said, Well, <clears throat> you're the fight we be in May. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, so, so I'll take a tune up there, and, and you know, fight Castro. Well, man, listen, not less than two minutes after I, after I, after I had that fight, I was on his trip. Wow. See, they never said that. They said, oh, listen, if they said, John, if you fight this guy, we won't show you the title. 
Oh, so you know what? Let's make the Castro fight now. But you gotta make it fair because they wanted me to see, they wanted me to fight Castro in Argentina a month after I beat Reggie. Mm-hmm. I said, "Come on, are you serious?" <laughs> and, and see, they, and, and the and here, I, I looked at the contract, and even though it had been the most money at the time that I would, I would have ever made, it wasn't enough. They said, "You're gonna get one, one uh, hundred fifty thousand. I said, "No, you're gonna give me a quarter of a million dollars." Yeah, <laughs> to go down there. I said, I'm going. I'm going. Listen, I'm going to Argentina. If I lose this fight and I get robbed, you can, I can't prove it unless I get the film of it because they you know, I said, I'm not, I said, if I go to Argentina and fight this guy, even if he's still standing at the 12 rounds, I'm not going to get a decision down there. <laughs> I said, so make, I'll make it worth my while to give me 250 And that's how I wrote a piece of paper. I said, come on back with a better offer. I'll sign the contract. Right. And they didn't? And, <laughs> no, he listened. The guy let me, he let me, he let me, he let me walk out with the paper in my back pocket. So <laughs> anyway, when I, when I go to court, that was my proof. Right. I showed up, I pulled out and, 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 and Judge looked at it and and he boom, I, you know I, I won right there because he said well, he's and then they, they said stop no we have we have the contract with his hand with, with his signature and the judge he said no this is post this is, this is uh, you guys transform this somebody somebody you get on there because that's not his contract that's not his handwriting because yeah, I put I put on my ID says I said look here is my his name my signature mm-hmm. totally totally different so you know a lot of stuff went down but like I said I didn't I didn't name the principal then I just said you know. Association to be wrong. Yeah. And the problem was happy that I didn't have a name, they didn't have to. There were a lot of guys involved in this whole thing. You know, right. the way it went, it was like a, it was like some movies where this whole thing went down with some crazy stuff. But <laughs> you know, um, it just you know, at that time I wasn't gonna sign that contract because to me the money wasn't right. If you wanted to fight I want the different people's I want the different people's, you know, series of fight. But this is a big this this is a bigger title. Make it worth my while. So. so, I mean, I mean, <laughs> and then you you end up actually you end up actually fighting Jorge Castro. I mean, yeah. you were so far ahead on the scorecards, man. That punch that he landed. Do you think about that at all? Like, how much? How often do you think about that fight? Nah, man, I put that, I put that in my head because if I do, That's I go crazy. If I do, I go crazy. Right, right, right. Good for no, you, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill myself because like that. There, because you know, there's the cliche of like, oh, that was a lucky punch. That was a lucky punch. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I did an article probably about two months ago with the, uh, the ring, ring, ring magazine uh, okay. uh, writer, and I told him, I said, listen, if you watch the fight, he wasn't looking when he went through the punch. Yeah. It was, but it was, but I, say, I will say this: it was well timed, well placed. Yeah. He didn't, I said he didn't throw it. He didn't look when he was throwing. It. He just threw it. I said, this, and, 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 and you know, and, and the boxing guys on the side that night because it Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I forgot to do one, one thing that I do all the time. I forgot to duck. So I'll, I'll, block, I'll put my hand and block the shot. I said, so that's my fault. I said, he said, you still mad? I said, I'm mad at the base. I don't think about it. <laughs> I, said, I, I want to find him a third time. So uh, I said, it's going to drive me crazy like that. Man, that's funny. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you regret sparring with Hopkins now? <laughs> Looking back, were you just like, man, I didn't know, I had no idea who was going to... Let me do that, let me do it, Bernard. Okay. Me and Bernard always talk about it. No, Bernard, Bernard's a good guy. I, you know, when I first, uh, when I was BO champion, I did some sparring, and I, and I always go back to Philly, because, you know, that's when I first started. And yeah. I one day they said, well, there's a key, why don't you spar with So I said, okay. And I sparred with Bernard. It's hard to think of yeah. Bernard Hopkins as a kid. He, for me, he's always 40 years old. Is that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Sound bad. It was it was tough, 
but it was easy because I the way I, the way I, I just I did my single bar. Bernard and you know and I was about one fifty. You know I didn't walk around that heavy, so I was about one fifty seven. But I was about one seventy. Mm-hmm. And I said, "This man, this guy's tough." Mm-hmm. I said, "I'm tasting. I just came right here. I said, he is potential to be world champion." Mm-hmm. I said, "Yes, yes, I said, keep out. This guy, this guy here, fight." So you recognize that right away, like after the sparring, yeah. you're like, "This guy." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but the one of them, you know, believe it or not, you know, and I, like, so I don't, I don't have to lie about things. They stopped the sparring session, not for me. <laughs> okay. You know, but, but he was tough. I said, "This guy, this guy's tough." You know, so we was far and. Well, I'll read it from time to time when I'm t- telephone, I would pay him, you know, because hey, you know, I, I grabbed him some money. But uh, I see he's getting better and better. Right. You know, and I always acknowledge that. But, I, but I, you know, so when we fought, it's another, it's another great story for some of So, Don King, when they got a phone call, I said, we got a title fight for you. I said, after three years, by time. <laughs> I, I, you know, I finally, I finally signed with Don. And so, three, you know, it was right after the cash was right. <laughs> Don had all the champions now, mm-hmm. all except for Bernard. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be caught in the loop, so I said, okay, I'll sign with Don. <clears throat> so Don, they, they say, we have title, we have title fight for you. I said, really? I said, okay. He says, against Bernard Hopkins. I said, no problem. I said, I said, but let me ask you a question. I said, now I've been, I've been asking for, for uh, at the time it was Joppy and um, the other kid from DC. That um, oh. was champion at the time. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> tall, tall, skinny kid. Yeah, tall, skinny. Oh, Keith so, Holmes? No. Uh, Keith Holmes. Thank you. Keith okay. Holmes. So, I said, uh, I said, I'll fight them. They said, they don't want to fight you. I said, believe it or not. I said, but I don't know. I've been chasing Bernard for three years. He don't want to fight me. Now, now, think about this. I just fought. I thought I beat this guy. It was a non-title fight. I lost to him here and here and here for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I lost a good decision to this guy from, from this area. Now, they turn around and make me the number one contender. Interesting. I was like, how am I the number one contender? Mm-hmm. I just lost to this kid. And by this time, I wanted to move up to 68. 68 was weak, and I said, you know, I can get my third title there. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, they, 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 that was a great idea. They said, yeah, we'll do that. But they said, man, why don't you start Bernard Hopkins first? I said, what do you mean you want me to start Hopkins first? And he only had one time. At the time, but I only had one defense. And I said, man, well, these stories about back in Philly, I used to beat them up. I said, guess what? That was back, back then. I said, that brother can fight now. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I gotta get paid to fight. I said, I, said, I gotta get paid to fight. Said, you know, this guy, BS, this guy's crazy. I said, nah, and, you know, and even then, I, you know, I was thinking all our boxing, but the problem was, I was no longer, you know, when, when they, when they stripped me of my title, Gene, believe it or not, it kind of, it, it took something away from me. I, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, man, because you worked so hard for it. And... Yeah, it just, it, all, all, all the life was like this kind of dream so I was like, I, I, I I got fat. Do you want to call it 175? I got fat. I have a 175. So oh. <laughs> they says, uh, you gotta get down. Probably a little more than that. You gotta get down and fight uh, 160. I cannot make, I cannot make that weight for the world. And I tried. I, you know, I, I, I made the weight that night, but I came in so light when I, I, I was like 156 and I just stepped off the scale. Yeah, I was watching the fight. You're light. You didn't have legs in the fight. Yeah, you had nothing. I lost so much weight for him, and Bernard, we talked about the Giants. I said, well, you know, I trained so hard for you. I thought that would be my hardest fight. I said, Bernard, I was, I was training just to lose weight. I said, you know, they, they, they didn't give me that much time. You know, they called me up on a couple of weeks' notice, and, and you know, and here's, here's, here's when I knew I was screwed. Because I told Don, I said, Don, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Man, I said, physically, I'm not ready because my weight's hot. He said, John, if you don't take this fight, it's going to be another three years before you get a title shot. Now, you don't need to wait three years to sign this contract. 
I said, I can't wait three more years. So I, 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 I was pretty much screwed. Yeah. But I didn't take the fight. And I mean, you know, if he didn't make me wait, he probably made me wait another year or two to get the title shot. Right. So I had no choice. So when I fought Bernard, I lost all that weight. And, you know, that's what Bernard, we talked about. I said, listen, I'm not knocking you. You, you want to fight. I said, if you watch that fight, Bernard, I was done. After about two rounds, I had nothing. Right. I had nothing. And he said, yeah, he said he was mad at the job, but I didn't get to knock you out. He said, he still, yeah, I still couldn't hit you, man. <laughs> he was mad because I said, knock me out. I wanted that happen. I said, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I said, I'm, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm like, you crazy. I'm not a fool. I said, I'm going to put my head. He said, man, but I guess not kicking one to knock. I said, I know you're going to knock me out. I said, but that wasn't what happened. But, you know, and, uh, you know, Elmo, 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 Adolf, the referee, Elmo, Adolf, I think. He said, you know, Sonny says, I stopped the fight. Not because you were getting hit. Because you weren't punching back. Yeah. I said, yeah, but I'm making a miss. Yeah, but you're making a miss. But guess what? You weren't fighting back. You weren't punching back. I said, all I can do is make a miss, man. <laughs> I punch back, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I went to the fight, man. It, it was just a bad thing. And, and, and I, you know, I, so I tell people this, but it's a big fight. I deserve what he's getting. I said, but I just wish that I'd been 100% for that fight that night. Right. I said, you know, and I say, I'm not, I'm not saying I would have won because who knows what happened in life. I say that to you. Let me ask you about Bernard Hopkins. Okay, because I got into boxing around 2006, 2007. Yeah. It was a high, yeah. high school. Big fighter at that time, Kelly Pavlik. I could identify with him from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. Why'd you have to beat him so bad? <laughs> well, you really thought that was an easy fight? Because I got to be honest, yeah. all my friends, we were just like, Kelly's going to murder this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, everybody thought that. And, and, and he had good reason to. Yeah. He's a young, fresh fighter. He's young. He's strong. He beat the guy who beat Bernard. Yeah. There you go. And, and he won and, 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 and So why wouldn't he beat Bernard? I'm yeah. Saying, Kelly wasn't a polished, seasoned, polished veteran. He, he, he listen, okay. he didn't know the tricks of the game yet. So I was like, Bernard, I said, listen, I said, now, so I go to, so I come, I come into camp, right? And they got Bernard jumping all over the ring, doing all this crazy stuff. I said, oh, what you doing, man? You know, now Zim was there, and all, they were all telling Bernard, I said, no, 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 no. That's how you beat this guy. You gotta fight him smart. I said, but I said, Bernard, fight him like an old man. He said, what do you mean? I said, use your legs, save your energy. I said, you don't have to do everything he's doing to beat him. I said, all you're doing is playing with his game. Mm-hmm. I said, he's a young man. I said, and you, I said, so fight like an old man. I said, but fight like a smart old man. Mm-hmm. Take him to school. Punch when you, I said, hit him when you want to hit him. But during all the, in, in, in time and between time, take your time to just mess with him. Make him look like you're doing something, you're not really doing anything, but you're taking this guy to school. I said, walk around the ring. And, but I listen, but I follow my game, playing to a kid, beat the crap out of this kid. <laughs> he did. I mean, it's, I, <laughs> I'll admit, like, Kelly Pavlik was really never the same after that fight. Like, he yeah, ruined, yeah. <laughs> he ruined this poor kid's career. Here's a kid, see, here's a kid, like, baby more, and a lot of today's fights. Mm-hmm. They're rushed. Kelly was, I mean, uh, Kelly was good, I'm wrong. Yeah. He beat the average fighter. But when he fought a seasoned veteran who knew the game and had a spot in the ring, then he was lost. Because they did what they didn't do, they didn't allow Kelly to fight everybody. Well, I mean, everybody. Fight all styles. Right. Learn every style you can learn because once you learn, once you fight everybody, fight all styles. By the time you get ready for a title fight or a big fight, you have you 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 have no doubt within yourself what you can do. Now, Kelly may have had no doubts because he was young and strong and didn't give a damn. Mm-hmm. But as the round went on, he said, "You know what? Well, I mean, I'm in the wrong I'm in the wrong ring tonight." <laughs> I tell you that. So 
you know, it's just that he just he just wasn't taught properly and brought along properly. And, and, and you can't blame his, his trainer. You can't blame Bob Aaron because they saw the money. I mean, I white guy, see. Midwest, I can punch. I mean, there's that's that's a rare breed in boxing nowadays. Yeah, and he's white, so guess what? Yeah. He's going to make a ton of money. Yeah. You can, and you can't blame him, but yeah. you have to blame, everybody has to go blame because in the end it costs him. When you find a guy who could really fight, Right. See, Bernard, I told Bernard, the, the beauty of your career is like mine. You had to fight everybody they put in front of you. You mm-hmm. didn't even choose who you wanted. Whoever they put in front of you, you had to fight. And that's how you learn. Right. I mean, right. he and I was far, we talked, you know, Bernard, we, 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 he and I used to talk all the time when he was young. I, put, I just gave him all kind of knowledge and talked to him. It backfired on me, but that's okay. But, uh, you know, because uh, the complaint it backfired on me, but then. Really, uh, we got a couple more questions and we'll get you out here because we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, man, you're, you've been great. This has been a great interview. Um, uh, we had Nate Campbell on the podcast and he could not have spoken higher about. You, what a great trainer you were. Nate was just so complimentary towards you. Um, what do you think makes a great trainer? Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm t- yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. I'm going to tell, tell you something. One day, George, George and I were just walking and talking, and he stopped. He said, you know what, son? You're going to be a great trainer one day. I said, well, trainer? I said, I'm not training. Fighters, you guys are all hard. I'm not training boxers. I never thought about being a trainer. But then, you know, George said, no, no, you have the patience, man. He said, he said, one, thing, he said one thing about my boss about you, you have patience. Hmm. He said, when you're in the ring, nothing, nothing ever rattles you. He said, you just want to bring your thing, you find a way to win. Right. He says, but you, and you got patience with these guys outside the ring. So one day, you know, when it was approached to me to become a trainer, that was the first thing that came to my mind. George said, you know, one day you'd be a great trainer. So, you know, um, and then, you know, I got, I got a guy like Nate. When I got with Nate, people were... The word on Nate was Nate, Nate's unteachable. You can't teach Nate. You know, mm-hmm. Nate, this Nate, that he's a bad guy. So I said, okay, let me let, let me let me meet him for myself. I'll, I'll tell you. So when I met Nate, the first day I met Nate is what I tell all my fighters. What my, my trainer told me. I said, you can fight. You don't need me for that. What you need me for is make you a better fighter. Okay. You know, take take away your bad points and add some good points to your game. Now Nate can fight. Listen, Nate was. A, I love that Nate. If, if, I had, if I had a little street fight with somebody, I'd take Nate in a heartbeat. You would take Nate Campbell in a street fight. He's all fighter. Right. So, you know, and, and, and with each passing fight, you know, Nate was willing to learn and listen to what I told him. My thing with Nate, the thing with Nate was, I said, Nate, I want to give you longevity. Because you're not a fighter. I said, so for me to teach you try, try to come in and shame and do all these things, no. I said, my thing is to give you longevity in boxing to make you a better fighter. Not to, to not to use up so much energy, just be smart and calculated in your approach to what you're doing. Right. And they will listen. And everything I showed Nate, he did it in a work for him. Mm-hmm. You know, when he fought Diaz, that was the only fight. He, that was the first and only fight where we had like a, a disagreement because he wanted to do it his way. I said, no, this way you can fight this kid. And everything I asked him to do that night, he did it. Right. It's funny because you know all through camp he was fighting me about it. Come <laughs> find it. Everything that I asked him to do, he did it. And he won the fight. You know, he won the fight his way. It was a, it was a hard-ass fight, but he won it. Right. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thanking you. I'm going to thank you because you, you did everything you're supposed to do. You made your champion of the world. You know, because I, I want every fight that I, that, I, that I train, I want them to feel that feeling, have that feeling, become a champion. That's, it's a great feeling. Yes. You know, now you've achieved something that 
very few can, uh, but if they keep making these belts, everybody's going to be champions. It's a great feeling. And, Teddy uh, Alice has the... Teddy Ellis has the greatest quote. He's like, thank God there's not more letters or else there'd be more of these guys. She's <laughs> <laughs> right about that. So, you know, so it's, a, it's a great feeling. And I want every fighter that I trained to have that. And they, you know, and they, and they, they had that chance. And, 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 and he took a moment and he seized it. He seized it and he, he's champion of the world. And that was a great, that was a great time for him because uh, a lot of people didn't give him, give him the chance to become champion, period. No matter who the, the champion was, he would have fought. They didn't think he was going to make it. And I always say, man, you can fight. Your, your biggest your biggest opponent's going to be you. Right. You know, so as long as you do what, you know, if you can do what I'm asking you to do and, and just implement it into your own game, your own way, you'd be a hell of a fighter. And, you know, they listen, man. He, I, I think he surprised, he surprised himself because when he listened to the word for him, he said, okay, we got something here. And, you know, he always trusted me and believed in me, so that made it great. But, uh, mm. you, know, you know, people just didn't think he could do it. He, he wanted to become, you know, a hell of a fighter. So... <laughs> I was watching the Bernard Hopkins, uh, your fight against Bernard Hopkins, and in the telecast they said you were an actor. And that got me interested because I do stand-up comedy, right? Yeah. And I looked up your IMDb page, and you were in the movie Undisputed. You played Man in Undisputed. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that movie. Where are you in this movie? You can't blink or you're going to miss you got to tell me, man. I've watched this movie two times. Where are you? <laughs> you remember the scene or... I don't remember the scene where Wesley kind of slaps, kills the guy, and the guy ain't go to jail. Okay. Yeah, I remember that part, oh, yeah. That's me. Now, we shot that, listen, we shot that scene for two days. A lot of, they, they, all they showed was a quick two-second blip. <laughs> that's the man, come on, right? And now, two days we shot, listen, I'm going to tell you, the best scene where they had been this girl in the bed naked, but naked. Okay. And she was pretty as oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I, said, I said, can we just keep shooting this scene? So that's his movie, man. So, but, um, um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, my scene was they show, they, they, they show it, they bring it back like a, like a memory of what's <laughs> killing me because I'm, I'm, I'm in the room with his girl, in the bed with his girlfriend, mm -hmm. and that's why he goes to prison, so then they okay. show me he goes to prison. Oh, yeah, I remember now, okay, yeah. all right. Because Clarissa, she, she saw it, she said, Coach, was that you there to kill? I said, yeah, I said, if you blink, you're going to miss it. She said, I saw it. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't a big scene, but now, I, you know, I, did a, I did a couple of, uh, did a couple of uh, independent comedies, oh comedies shows um, so you know I, I, I did two movies and I, one movie that I should have done I gave it to a friend because I was doing under the speed of time or was, was the Ali movie with Will, Will Smith and oh. I had a part in that who would you have I played hmm? who would you have played I was going to play, um, play I think I'm going to play Jimmy Ellis but, 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 but I'm glad mm. I did you know what all, all they showed was the guys late yeah <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't you know, waste my time with that one okay but, uh, and, and that was half the reason why I guess maybe See, when, when, when I got shipped, shipped to my title, mm -hmm. and I took it to dollars from, from, from Hollywood, I, I, I kind of lost that drive to keep fighting, so by the time I bought Bernard, it was three years later. I wasn't, you know, trying to act and all this stuff. I, I wasn't taking Boston seriously at all. <laughs> Do you think about getting back into acting at all? Like, if someone offers you something, uh, maybe? When I'm 56, I doubt they made me. All right. So these are—I got six questions left. These are six questions that we ask every champion that we've had on the show. Okay. Actually, you're getting two questions that I've never asked anyone. Okay. You ready? All right. Question one: Where is the most memorable place you fought? The most memorable place, memorable place I fought would, for me, would be Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. What made that so special? Well, actually. I fought in East France. Okay. 
Yeah. We had, we, we had to stay over two days because our plane didn't leave until two days after the flight. I was an amateur still. Mm. So uh, a gentleman, I can't recall his name, but he said, man, you're going to go sightseeing. And he took us to Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. That was the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, they're, all, they're all rich people. They're just rich people. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you had to have a net worth of at least a half million dollars people live there. Jesus. Does so, Marvin Hagler live around there now? Who? Does Marvin Hagler live around there now? Marvin, Marvin is in Italy. He probably is, no, him, he probably is over there. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place. So, you know, I took my wife there uh, probably about six years ago. Six years ago, one of my kids followed the defender's title. I said, you got to come in. It's the most mm-hmm. beautiful place ever in my life. So, that's so Monte Carlo would be the you know, best mm-hmm. place. Okay, question two. Where's the most memorable place that you've brought your championship belts? Probably to, um, I to an elementary school. Elementary school? I, yeah. Okay. I put the kids to see because the kids that made this. Now, I'm going to say what's nice about it. It was a B.O. time. They just made, they just made a big day. Kids were screaming. And stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids enjoyed the belt. But these grown-ass men down. It was cool for me because the kids, you know, they don't know. They don't, you know, what kind of belt it was. A championship belt, and I had this belt, and they loved it. You know, and that was cool for me because, you know, at least I wouldn't get the kind of respect from, from the general public or all those boxing officials. So it was cool that the kids enjoyed the belt. They loved it. Okay. What's, so you're a trainer. I'm going to, you can answer this either way. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in the corner, or what's the best piece of advice you've ever given a fighter in the corner? Right. You can answer either way. Okay. Yeah, the best the best piece of advice I've ever given to a fighter was a fighter by the name of Nate Campbell. And oh. he was he, he said it, Nate said he says, Coach, my right hand hurts. I said, Does your left hand is your left hand okay? He said, Yes, yeah. keep using it. I said, well, keep using the left hand and you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay. God damn it. I think he said something similar. That's wow, good piece. Alright. Alright. Advice and court. Alright. Question four. What fighter would you have liked to have fought in history, whether in the past or now in the present? What fighter would you have liked to have fought? Hmm. I'm going to give you two questions. I'm going to give you two answers. The first okay. one is, of course, I would, I would have never wanted to fight in my career, and that was Marvin Hagler. Oof. I have the most respect for him. He's tough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's any, any of the things that can beat him? Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> anyway, first, I, I would have loved to have fought would have been Probably would have been, believe it or not, it had been it would have been Mike McCallum. Mike McCallum, okay, yeah. I mean, he's one of the what? Did you? I read an article. You sparred with him, right? I sparred with him. And he's, he's so underrated. Right. He's so underrated as a fighter and much, much, much avoided. But yeah. we, sparred, we sparred, and he and I would talk about it all the time when we see each other. He, I watched his spar like three guys before I got in the ring. Okay. And he was just breaking them down to the body, breaking them down. So I got a ring, man. I was boxing. I was just boxing, man. I wouldn't have touched me. And but I said to myself, I said, I would, I would love to have fought Mike because in a fifteen round fight, when he was throwing body shots at me, he was tested mm-hmm. how badly I wanted to fight. He was, he was, you know, technically, I think technically I had him by by a small edge because I had speed. Mm-hmm. But Mike was one of the most underrated champions of all time. Okay, and I respect him so much. He, he that you know, you know, he, I'm gonna say one of the one of my boxing people don't realize to be a body puncher, you have to, re- you have to put yourself in a position to be hit with other shots. 
because it, it, it's, it's a calculation and it's timing, mm-hmm. and you have to have heart. But stand right in that position, because you, you might get hit back. And very few players that want to do the way he, do it the way he did it. He stayed right in the pocket, and he'd go to your body, and he'd break you down. But most guys would hit him back. But see, that's when he hits you, he's in a position to be hit right back. But the way he hit guys, he hurt him so bad. Yeah, time hit him back, you know. And he, he, he was he was a guy who was he was very much avoided in his time. He was, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. So that yeah. I, Mike McCown, man, and, and nothing, listen, it's nothing bad. I, I respect him. I give him more respect. It's to me, it's just a fight, two good fighters and who who will be the best, right. who will win. That's all. There's nothing bad about that. But I, I love Mike, so you know, it, it, it's just been an interesting fight. Okay. Question. All right, that's a good answer. Those are good answers. Uh, question five. What are the? What's your favorite? Uh, trunks that you wore in a fight. Do you have any memorable trunks that you wore where you're like, these are these are special? I had a pair, um, a pair, a pair of, uh, they were cron trunks. They were red. Oh, the cron colors. Red and gold? They were red, they were red, they were red. Mine were red with the gold stripe and mm-hmm. they especially made for them. They were nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I just love them. The material, I just love those trunks. You know, it just, it represented, you know, uh, that I was moving up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the last question. This is, you're the first person to ever get this question, but I got, but I got this uh, when I was interviewing Peter Quillen. He talked about how he had to go to the bathroom once in between in a fight. Did you ever have to go to the bathroom in between a fight? Man, if I did, I, if I did, I never noticed. It. I, I, that, was, that was the last thing on my mind during the fight. So if I had to, and, 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 and there was a problem. <laughs> So hard he shit himself. Yeah. <laughs> you hit him so hard he shit himself. Please don't name this guy. I, I, wait, is this guy really no, famous? No, is this fighter no, super no, famous no, now? No, 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 no. I've been like, and that fighter's name. And that was Sugar Ray Leonard. No. <laughs> yeah, sugar Ray. Nah. <laughs> All right, Champ man, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. You are a great guest, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> You take care, man. All right, that was John David Jackson. Great guest, great guy. Um, And with that, that concludes another episode of the Rope A Dope Podcast. All right. Follow us on Facebook at Rope A Dope Podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud, Rope A Dope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. You guessed it, Rope A Dope Podcast. Please just follow us anywhere. All right, uh, this will be uploaded on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on Anchor. Thank you so much. Thank you, John David Jackson, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your day, and remember, keep fighting out there.